How's it going tonight? You doing good? I am so excited to be here with you guys tonight. I feel just going into this week as I was preparing for this message tonight that God just made a truth so alive to me, and I'm excited just to share it with you. Just a little update with our ministry, Sanctus. We are the young adult community here at the church between the ages of 18 and 29. I know so many of you guys have been praying for us and just for what God is doing in this next generation in this city. We have seen so many people who have begun to meet the Lord and have begun to just trust in the gospel. And the most beautiful thing about my job and what I have the privilege to kind of see week in, week out is just the power of like when we trust in the gospel, God comes and he changes our lives. It's like the gospel has power. It's not just like here I am leading a ministry and trying to just hold everybody's hand and manipulate them into staying in a church. It's like when we find Jesus and we put our faith in the gospel, we find what our heart was made for. So we've been just seeing person after person coming in, trusting in Jesus. God's changing so many lives. But one of the things that I have been praying over my life, my marriage, our ministry, is a verse that uh, my wife gets very annoyed because I bring this up like three times a day. And she's like, you know, there's more verses in the Bible than that one. But uh, it's this beautiful verse in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, where it says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that through it, you will grow into the full experience of your salvation. And to me, that verse is so powerful because it paints this picture of, I've put my faith in Jesus, I've been given this salvation, and in so many ways, I've seen how it's the fulfillment for my heart and it's brought strength and peace and power. But what Peter is saying in this verse is that you're continuing to grow now into the fullness of what you already have. You've been given this salvation, but now you're beginning to experience all that it entails. And so in our lives as believers, who knows, you get saved, you put your faith in Jesus, and not all of your problems are solved that day that that happens, right? It's like we put our faith in Jesus, we see his faithfulness, but then we begin to walk through life, and we begin to see so many struggles outside of ourselves, within our own hearts, And what God is leading you and I into is the deeper and more full and greater experience of this salvation that we've received. That it is so much greater, it applies so much wider over the issues of our lives and of our hearts. And so God, it doesn't matter if you're a new believer here or you are 117 and you've been a Christian since the 1800s there is greater fullness to walk into of what it means to know Jesus and to see him be the fulfillment of our hearts, to see the victory and strength and power that he brings. And so tonight, what I'm excited to get into is a truth that I think is one of the most vital in how we grow in experiencing the salvation that we've been given through Jesus. And so I want to pray us in. We're going to read through a verse, and then we're going to get into it. But would you just pray with me today? Jesus, we love you so much tonight. We're here because of you, Lord. 
because you have been so good to us. You have been so faithful. And we believe today, God, that we have yet to experience all that there is that you have for us. We want to know more of your power and your life and the full experience of salvation that you died for us to know. And so I lift up each of us here, God, that tonight you would increase our faith. You would help us to see what trusting you means in a greater way. And that we would all walk out here tonight, God, having more of your life, Lord, more of your power. So we love you, and I pray that you lead the rest of this night, lead the words that I speak. We give you this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, they're going to put a verse on the screen. We could start with the 2 Corinthians one. This is a story I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with. This is a passage where Paul describes this process that God allowed him to walk through that ultimately led to him learning how to trust in God and depend on God in a deeper way. And so starting in uh, verse 7, it says this. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. So for me, in the last couple of weeks, there's just been this theme that God has been drilling home in so many of the conversations that I've been having with young adults in our church. Because we have so many people who are new believers and have recently begun to walk with Jesus, there's this common issue that if you've been walking with God, I'm sure you felt at some point in your life. I've met with people where they get saved and instantly, it's like all of their problems they feel like are solved. They were so lost, so in darkness, having no peace, no joy, and then they find Jesus, and it's just like, I figured it out, and it's just smooth sailing from here through the rest of my life. And they're living in that for a while, and God allows them to live in that for a little bit, but then there's a day when they come into my office, and we begin to talk, and people say, you know, I don't know what's wrong. It's like, I'm trying But no matter how hard I'm trying, I can't keep a hold of my temper. Or there's just this besetting sin that I have made 9,000 promises to God. I've tried muscling this sin out of my life. And no matter what I do, I can't overcome this. And they say to me, like, you know, it's, it feels like I shouldn't still be where I am. Like, why am I still stuck? And I was talking to somebody this week where they're like, it doesn't even feel like it's me when I'm doing that. Like, it feels like, I don't know, like Satan is just making me do stuff or whatever. And so as I was talking with this specific person, I said to them, I shared with them a lesson that has been very hard beginning to be learned in my life. Uh, I said to them, the fact that as you're struggling through this, you think that that's not really you and that that's something else that's the reason why you're stuck. You see, we all think that growing in God kind of looks like growing as a baby up, 
where it's like, all right, when you're a baby, you got to be held. You've got to have your diaper changed. You wake up five times in the night. You got to be taken care of in that way. But as you begin to grow up, you become a toddler. You can walk. And then from there, you know, you're paying taxes and you have your own house and, you know, you got life figured out. It's like we think that growing in God means becoming stronger and less sinful. But can I share with you today, growing in God is actually the exact opposite of that. It's not you becoming better and stronger. It's you actually realizing that you're weaker than you even thought. The more we walk with Jesus, the more we begin to see It's like when I first really met God, um, there were a couple big ticket items that I would be like, yeah, you know, I kind of mess up in that stuff, but I'm only a pretty good guy though, you know? And as I've walked with Jesus now over these years, especially since I've been married, I have learned that I am not a good guy. I'm actually so much worse than I thought I was. And I'm continuing, my wife doesn't remind me of that every day, but, uh, I am reminded of it every day still by my behavior. And as we walk with God, we begin to see, like, it's not that we're getting worse, but it's like our eyes open wider to see how much our flesh is actually involved in every area of our life. It's like the more we begin to see, oh my goodness, like, I, I, God, I can't take it anymore. Am I really just going to be horrible in everything? But the beautiful thing about walking with Jesus is as we're trusting him, And he's beginning to reveal more and more where we fall short and where we're so weak and incapable of living this life that he's called us to live. He shows us simultaneously that his mercy and grace and love for us is so much deeper and wider. And it's like when we got saved, we didn't even know how much he was really saving us. But the more we walk with him, we see there is this depth to his love for us. All of this stuff that we're just beginning to realize about ourselves. He's saying, I've seen this the whole time. And I still have loved you. And I still have been patiently in mercy leading you into this life that I've created you for. So as we grow in God, you know, in the flesh, we want to be strong. We want to be able to become independent and take our lives into our own hands. But truly to grow in Jesus is to become more like a baby. It's to become more dependent on him. And so we look back at this verse, and you have now the super apostle Paul, the guy who literally wrote most of the New Testament, who literally was taught by the Holy Spirit all of this doctrine in the desert, was uh, traveling and teaching the church what it meant to be a Christian. But he shares with us this experience that he has where he is struggling through some issue that the Bible doesn't make 100% clear. And I think that that's intentional because it shows us what this struggle in our flesh, how universal it is. But he's struggling and he is going against something and he's trying to find the strength within himself to overcome it. And maybe for a while he's doing kind of good. He's not slipping up. He's not falling into despair. But sooner than later, he ends up finding himself back at this ground zero place where he's like, God, I don't have the strength that I need to get through this or overcome this thing in myself. He's saying, I am completely stuck and I'm begging you, take this from me. And so he begs God, nothing happens. He begs God two more times, nothing happens. But through this experience, God begins to teach him the lesson for why he allowed him to struggle in this in the first place. 
Paul was hoping to find some strength within himself to overcome the battles and the challenges that he was facing. But what God was leading him to was to see you are never going to have the strength needed to live this life that I've called you to live, and you're not going to be able to live into my strength unless you own your weakness. You won't walk in the grace that I have for you until you see you can't do this. And can I share this with you guys today, brothers and sisters? This Christian life, look at the areas in your life where you are struggling today, where you see weakness and discouragement, where you are trying to live this thing and follow the commands and obey God and be faithful, but time and time again, you just find yourself stuck and in these same cycles. It's easy in that place to look at this life and just say, wow, this is just really hard, and I got to figure out how I'm going to be able to do this. Can I tell you, this life that God has called you and I to, it's not hard. It's literally impossible to overcome the sin that's in your heart to live faithful to God, to follow his commands and break these cycles of sin that you've been stuck in for so long. That's not something that's just hard to do. It is impossible for you to do. And that's the point of what Paul is teaching us through this. He's saying that I've gotten to this place where I rejoice, I own, I am so confident that I can't do any of this anymore. I have no strength in me. I actually celebrate that because when I'm in that place, now I can actually begin to trust God for the strength that he wants to fill me in with to walk victoriously. And so the first thing I want to share with you all tonight, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever ways you're stuck, you're stuck. There's no getting through it. There's no overcoming it. If you think that, you know, All of us want to really think that we're better than we are. We all want to think that we have something apart from God. I was on, this is coming right now, I was on the train this morning. It was 10 a.m. I'm sitting on this train trying to read and pray, and there's a guy sitting right next to me, and he pulls out a Haagen-Dazs ice cream, and you know, it's 10 a.m., so I'm just like, it's an interesting choice, and uh, next thing I know, he's scooping it with his bare hands and just putting it in his mouth on a subway. And so I'm just sitting there and, you know, I'm disgusted, but I'm also just like, you know, to be sane in a crazy world, you know, I'm just such a normal guy surrounded by such crazy people in New York. We all want to think that we are somehow like we have some goodness in ourselves that we're above others. We have some strength. Like, yeah, I'm kind of weak in some areas, but I'm not like some of those people that you might see out there. You know, Jesus says to us, apart from me, you can do nothing. There is nothing within you that is able to produce the holiness and the goodness that I require. The point of the gospel is this. The life we have been called to live is impossible for us to do. But thank God, through Christ, we can do all things. And so I want to bring us to a second passage really quick in Hebrews. Hebrews 13. I was reading this this week. This is a final closing prayer in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Whoever the writer is, is praying over these believers. And it's so beautiful. It says this, and we'll just walk through it really quick. Now may the God of peace. (laughs) Praise God that he is the God of peace. (laughs) 
that we do not have to try to find peace for ourselves, but he is a faithful God who says, I am the Prince of Peace, and as you trust in me, I fill your heart with the peace that you need. To the second verse, he says, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. So what he's building up, the reason why he's saying uh, this line about the blood of the eternal covenant, what does that mean? He's pointing us to how because of what Jesus has done for you and I, because of the cross and the gospel, that God has made an unbreakable oath to you and me that he promises he will never turn from us. He will never not be faithful to his promise that he's given us. And we're about to see specifically what that promise is for our lives. But God is, he, he's pointing the believers to see this God that you are putting your faith in today, who meets your needs, who do, does through you what you can't do for yourself. He is the God who is covenanted, committed himself. He's literally promised you on his own life that he is going to be faithful to you and meet your needs. That's the God that we serve, that we've put our faith in today. And it says right there, that great shepherd of the sheep, that's also another powerful image that this writer is giving us. He's saying that Jesus is our shepherd. And what does that mean? You're a sheep. Turn to somebody next to you and say, bah. You're literally a sheep here tonight. And the reason why this hits home for me today is because my wife and I had the opportunity uh, to go to Ireland last year on this amazing trip. And um, while we're there, uh, I'm looking through some Airbnb experience things, trying to see just cool stuff that we could do. And I'm looking through it, and I see this thing that says, a shepherding experience. And I was like, I'm a Christian and I'm in ministry. If there is anything that I can invest into my future, it would be this right here. So we had these plans, and I'm like, sorry, honey, we're going shepherding. And so we end up going to this pasture. And, um, you know, I'm from New York, and I've never seen a sheep in my life. You know, they might have some maybe over in, like, Staten Island or something, but definitely not over here. And so I went in really not knowing what to expect And I was just expecting to see these, like, sweet, beautiful, wool, cozy-looking animals. And we get there, and when I tell you, these were the dirtiest, ugliest, dumbest creatures that I've ever seen in my life. We get there, and they have this massive wool, right? And it's just covered in dirt. And we uh, see they, they round them all up, and we see as they... Um, have this like sheep dog that they use to keep the sheep in their herd. And the way the psychology for the sheep that the sheep dog works is um, the sheep will be forced into this area because they're fearing for their lives. They literally think that this sheep dog is like a wolf or some predator that's coming to kill them. And so the sheepdog is trained to, like, scare them, push them into this corner. The sheep finally all go over there, fearing for their lives, looking around. And as they're there, they're freaking out. They got this adrenaline rush. But then they look down, and they're like, oh, there's some grass. And next thing you know, they're just munching grass. And before you know it, they forget that they were just fearing for their lives. And they're, like, going a mile down the road just for grass. 
And I was looking at that, and I was like, Lord, that's me. <laughs> My God. It's like, how crazy is it in our lives? We go through these things that wake us up to the reality of our sin, and we begin to experience the consequences of it a little bit. And we're like, oh, no, God, have mercy on me. I'm blowing it again. I'm finding myself back over here. And we wake up, and we kind of, like, come back to him. But then we start seeing some grass. We just start munching. And before you know it, we wander. If that's not a picture of our lives and what we're able to produce on our own, all we're good for is getting dirty and wandering away. (laughs) No matter how good you think you are, no matter, and the thing is, we think that we have to become these like strong sheep and these smart sheep that make responsible decisions and don't fall into pits out of our own understanding. Can I tell you, the reason why God gives us this imagery of a sheep is because we need a shepherd. Because apart from him, we go into ditches, we get filthy. When you see a sheep that's healthy and safe and clean, it's not because of the sheep, it's because of the shepherd. And praise God that we have been given this shepherd who has committed himself to us in every single way. He's not saying there's a single area of your life where you need to figure this out on your own. You need to find the strength that you need internally. He's saying, I am the good shepherd who protects you and provides for you and leads you in every way. And this final couple verses right here, it sa- uh, so it says, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so what he is praying over them is he is saying that it is God. Because of this covenant that God has made with you, he has committed himself to meeting every need that you have, to producing in you all that that he requires. God doesn't call us to imitate him. He calls us to be filled with him so that we could be filled with the spirit of Jesus and be like Jesus. So many of us continue to fall and stumble because we're working with what we have instead of what he wants to give us. Maybe that's because we think that somehow this is possible for us. That this isn't, it's like, well, maybe it's my 30% and God will come with his 70. And if I'm really faithful with my 30, then he'll come and bless me and help me. Can I tell you, we alienate ourselves from the power of God when we're relying on ourselves at all. God is saying, this life that I've called you to live, the areas where you continue to stumble and you're weak and you fall, I'm not calling you to overcome this. I'm going to overcome this for you and through you. Stop trying to do apart from me what I've already told you you can't do. If you don't have my power, it's not because I don't want to give it to you. It's because you're not trusting me for it. I have covenanted myself, committed myself to giving you all of the grace you need to see the character of Jesus in your life. I want to point us just to one final passage that um, I've been reading through a lot of the prophets and minor prophets lately and trying to study it. And I've seen this one picture of salvation that is so beautiful to me. And it is in Isaiah 51, 3. It's a theme throughout the Old Testament. But in Isaiah 51, 3, and you know what? I'll just say this really quick. This is Isaiah speaking to the nation of Israel, God's people. And 
God had made a past covenant with them, different than this covenant we have through Jesus. And in this covenant, he said, if you will just follow me and love me and obey what I call you to do, I am going to meet all of your needs. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper your land. And God had made this covenant with him, just saying, all you have to do is just follow me and stay close to me. Have no other God apart from me. And I'm going to meet all of the needs that you have. But in that, Israel, like us, finds themselves stuck in their sin. And where God promised them that follow me and I'm going to meet all of your needs and I'm going to bless you and bless your land, they couldn't escape from this sin in their heart. They couldn't overcome it. And because of that, they found themselves where God had promised to bless them and help them and do this beautiful thing in their life. They'd found themselves overrun by foreign armies, their land eaten by locusts and the blessing of God completely having lifted and where they were prospering once. Now they are just stuck in death and in a desert. And so in this place, God calls Israel through his prophet Isaiah and he gives them this message. He says, the Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. And so this picture of salvation that we're given, God says, if you would turn to me, these deserts and wastelands in your life, I'm not only just going to bless them a little bit, I'm going to turn the death and the a desert, there is nothing living in that. I'm going to take the most hopeless, broken, death-filled areas of your life, and I'm not going to just make it good. I'm going to turn it into the Garden of Eden. Today, what I want to share with you guys, and we're going to pray soon, is this. Apart from Jesus, apart from the salvation that he's promised to come and bring us, me on my own, what I'm able to produce as I try in my own strength to live like Jesus and walk in holiness, I can't escape the fact that in my heart, it's just a wasteland. It's a desert. Like I need to produce this life, but all of my best efforts still leave me with death. And this is the message of the Lord for all of us here today. In our own strength, try planting a garden in a desert and see what luck you have. It's like, go try to make a, you know, a banana field in the middle of the Sahara and come back to me in a year and let's have a conversation. It's not going to happen. Can I tell you in the exact same way tonight, whatever it is that you're stuck in, whatever areas of besetting sin or as you're growing closer to the Lord and you just see how broken and helpless you are, the thought that you're going to be able to find the strength in yourself to overcome that is like trying to plant a garden in the desert. You can't. It's literally impossible. But thank Jesus. The message of the gospel for us tonight is that when we turn to God in our sin, when we own the deserts of our life, we bring them to Jesus, and we say, Lord, I'm coming to you for what you've promised me, how you've committed yourself to me. I'm trusting you. He takes the deserts and he turns them into the gardens of Eden. The garden of Eden, literally the most 
fruitful, perfect. It was perfection, right? It was like the full, the most beautiful garden that's ever existed. And God is saying, that is what I have committed myself to you to do. That your life and your future in your marriage, your parenting, your besetting sins, the way you're discouraged, the way you can't overcome the anxiety of your life, the fear, the faithlessness, in all of that, you can't overcome it. But I have committed myself to making you fruitful in every way. That it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on what I've already decided to do for you. Can I tell you, God has decided to make you entirely fruitful where your life is not defined anymore by the sin that you've committed, the ways that people have hurt you, the situations that you've gotten yourself into. In Jesus, we are no longer defined by that. We are defined by his faithfulness to us, that he has committed himself to us entirely. Like that verse says, that he will equip us with everything we need to do his will that he'll work in us, everything that's pleasing to him. And so where does that leave us for tonight? I can think of more than a handful of issues in my life that I have tried to see victory. I've tried to be strong. And God has, in his grace, allowed me to see my weakness and who I am apart from him. If you're discouraged here tonight because of areas of sin that you see in your life and you may feel hopeless because you're seeing it clearly for what it is, can I tell you that is a beautiful place to be because in that place, that's where you can actually begin to trust the God who's promised you that he is going to make you like Jesus. The way we see victory, the way we see his character produced through us, the way we see these gardens of life spring up. It's not just like little sprouts. It's the gardens of Eden, the gardens of the Lord. The way we see that is not when we commit to trying harder. It's not when we promise God or promise ourselves we're going to stop. We need to tonight come before the Lord and say, Jesus, wherever you have allowed me to see sin in my life, thank you that you have freed me from needing to find some hope in myself. Thank you, Jesus. You are my hope. That I don't have to just have a a desperate prayer and plea like, God, please help me, and not really sure that you're going to do it. The Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And God wants to give you assurance tonight that he is with you, that because of what Jesus has done for you, he is going to meet whatever the needs are of your soul. If you're discouraged today, look to the hope there is in Jesus for your life. We can't get that grace unless we trust him. The Bible says we live by grace through faith. If you're finding yourself in cycles, it's not because his grace isn't enough. It's because he wants to raise our faith to trust him for what he's promised. And the thing that I would love to be able to pray with you all for it is that we would be people who, you know that verse, it, it ends where it says, uh, he'll equip you with every good, everything good for doing his will, May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. The reason why God gets all of the glory from our lives is because anything that is good is from him in us. It's not just, look, I've done my my good part. It's like, no. When we trust him, 
it's so beautiful to see how helpless you are, to see your need for God, and then to trust him and see the impossible in your life. Where for so long you were held in captivity, where you couldn't overcome these things that you just almost made peace with. Because it's like, there is no hope for this. In Jesus, there's hope. He wants to glorify himself in our lives tonight. As we trust him, and, and this is the, the last thing, you have to own your weakness. If, if you want to convince yourself tonight that there is some strength within you that's going to get you to where you need to be in God, then enjoy that hopeless cycle continuing to play out. But tonight, to those who will humble themselves and say, Jesus, the reason why you even had to die for me in the first place, I am sinful. I'm so much more sinful than I would even know. But God, you love me more than I could ever know, but more than I can ever hope. And so, Jesus, I bring my sinful heart. I bring this sinful area of my life, and I lay it down at your feet. And, Lord, I trust you because you have committed yourself to filling me with Jesus. It's not me becoming better. Ephesians 5 says, be strong in the Lord. We're going to be strong in the grace that God has for us tonight as we own our weakness and we turn to his strength. God wants to fill us with grace tonight. He wants to see this week be more fruitful, more victorious, more empowered, that we would walk into a greater experience of this salvation that we've been given. Tonight, God, I want to rid myself of any confidence that I have in what I could do for you and put my hope entirely in what you've promised to do for me. In you, God, I don't have to have insecurity anymore of whether it's just gonna be more of the same until the day I die. You died on the cross to set me free, to fill me with life, And so, Lord, that's what we're seeking you for and trusting you for tonight. Would you pray with me right now as maybe there's areas of your life that you feel God is highlighting to you that you have continued to fall, you have found yourself in these cycles, and that's because that's the best that you can produce. And rather than trying to just hope that God gives you strength within yourself, Let's tonight say, God, we own tonight that apart from you, we can do nothing. There is no hope within us. But Lord, we have all of the hope in the world because of the gospel of Jesus. Would you lift up in your own heart today? Say, God, over this area that you're showing me, I am trusting tonight that I am incapable. But Lord, you have promised me. It's you who leads me into all truth. It's you who meets my needs. In Philippians, your word says, you give us the desire and the power to live the life you've called us to live. So we are clay in your hands. Lord, I lift up this entire room of people before you tonight. God, we confess we are helpless, Lord. There is nothing within us that can fulfill the holiness, God. That is freedom. That's life. We are trapped in sin, God. We're trapped in wasteland deserts of what our flesh can produce apart from you. But we thank you today, God. You've allowed us to see the weakness of who we are apart from you so that we can trust you like never before, God. I pray tonight, Lord, that you will open up people's eyes to see the hope that there is. As we trust you, you come and transform us, God. You fill us with your strength. We grow in the grace that you have for us, and we see freedom. We see victory. We want to be a church, God, that walks in the full experience of your salvation, Lord. We want to be people who are filled with love to those who hate us. We want to walk in discipline, in victory, in holiness, in purity. We want to be people who have the power to forgive those, Lord, as you've forgiven us. 
and all of this, God, we can't do on our own. So Jesus, we look to you tonight, oh God. Fill us with your spirit. Teach us to trust in you and receive the grace and the strength that is our only victory, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.